0: Welcome to episode 95 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about Canadian theatre makers, featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you're new to Stageworthy, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please consider leaving a comment or rating. Your ratings and comments help new people find the podcast. My guests are Ellie Moon and Brendan Healy. They joined me to talk about Ellie's play, Asking For It, presented with Crows Theatre, Nightwood Theatre, and Necessary Angel Theatre Company at the Streetcar Crows Nest starting October 5th, 2017.
1: like um, most of the time it would be like we were already hanging out and then I would bring up the play and then I would say so how do you feel if I record Mm. this conversation and people would say yes or no Mm. and uh, but usually yes Um, and that's how the interviews would come about
0: can I ask you guys to move your chairs just a little bit closer together Yeah. uh, not closer to Mike but if we can like get you Almost. I'm sorry I smell so
1: much Brennan oh it's okay
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I do Um, so most people said yes yeah Okay let's I mean let's go to the beginning asking for it can you can you tell me a little bit what is what is this play?
1: Sure um, it's a play that uh, I began working on when I was 21 and the gameshi firing first happened um, and uh, I was actually living in England at the time but this news story... Uh, just brought about a lot of questions for me about my own relationship with desire and my own sort of sense of myself as a sexual being. And um, so I found this to be a really interesting like permission structure with which to have some really candid conversations with female friends mm-hmm. uh, and male friends, but initially female friends. And I would, so we were in England, no one knew who Gian Gameshi was or what the CBC was, right. but I would give them the context. And I would say like, you know, this, this news story happened A really like famously progressive, um, sort of PC guy, um, is being brought up on sexual assault charges. And the nature of the charges are acts of violence, uh, during sex that weren't consented to. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of gauge people's reaction based on that. Yeah. And people had, very different reactions Um, like I came of age at the time of like internet porn and so lots of people that's violence was a part of their sex life and they didn't think that like I didn't know that this stuff qualified as sexual assault that in a non consented to violence during sex I just never really thought about it Hmm. and um, it made me look back on experiences that I'd had it made me really want to talk about this and I did and I got a really really like very stark range of responses and I was interested in sort of interrogating that and the silence around it and yeah
0: and when did that become a play, a play?
1: Um, when I finished school in 2015 I saw the watershed it was one of the first shows that I saw back in Canada um, and that's a documentary play uh, that crows uh, did by Annabelle Sutar and I thought this is the right form it just sort of told the the macro story and but through a very kind of personal lens, and I thought this would be, yeah, the right mm-hmm. way to look at...
0: And so you, How long did it... Have, like, uh, how many hours of conversations did you have before oh, have you no started idea. whittling it down? Do you know, like, how many people you talked to, even?
1: Over 100, like, yeah. maybe 150. And lots long, of
0: people. How long were those conversations,
1: on average? You know, there's some of them. One that made it into the play is exactly the, like, length of the length of a page so Uh like 60 seconds or something (laughs) and then there's ones that were like you know we talked for hours and I just like you know listened to it through afterwards and picked out parts and yeah and I should say it's constructed it's not like it's not pure verbatim verbatim. yeah it's edited and stuff for meaning
0: um how did you approach these people like how did you find them and how did you get them to talk to you about these things
1: yeah, I mean the, like it's interesting like the the sort of asking for consent to talk about consent. Mm-hmm. Um I did mo- I did mostly I started with my inner circle and then I like got farther and farther mm-hmm. out. Um but when I was pretty much all the conversations other than the ones with academics um I didn't ask their consent ahead of us hanging out. We were already hanging out mm-hmm. and got on these topics and then I asked if they could be recorded.
0: Did you act, did you steer it towards those topics, or were you just hanging out with the right academics and you were able to?
1: No, sorry, the academic interviews, oh, okay. which okay. there uh, which yeah, there yeah, are yeah. in okay. the play, okay. are okay. people that I emailed and said you're an you're an expert on this. I'd like to speak uh, okay, to you. Okay, okay. But I'm saying apart yeah. from that, like the mm. ones with like people that I know on a personal mm. level, did mostly kind of arise out of we were already having an interesting conversation, then, and then I asked mm. to record it. Yeah.
2: Right now, when did you get involved in the in the production? Uh, I guess about a maybe a year ago, a little, like little under a year ago. So um, Chris Abram, who, uh, who runs Crow's Theater, who's one of the sort of the co-producers behind this production, uh, contacted me saying, look, I have this, this script, uh, by super interesting scripts, sort of like super interesting young artist, uh, and I thought maybe it might be something that you'd be interested in being involved mm-hmm. in, with. So that's sort of how it came to me.
0: And what, what is it that, that, that draws you to this particular subject?
2: Uh, I mean, I, I, I like the, 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 the project of the project, like, like the, the intent behind the project, which I think is to have, or to at least to, to like, uh, create the conditions for a very like complex and thorough investigation of consent to happen. Like mm-hmm. that to me, I think is a really, uh, like a really good project to have. And mm-hmm. so I, it's very easy for me to get behind that, uh, I think, you know, my work tends to often be about sex and about kind of difficult, you know, sort of the difficulties that come with sex in the body. And so there's a kind of thematic thing. But, you know, to be honest, there were huge, like I had a lot of reservations around directing the play. Um, you know, I'm 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 a guy. I'm also gay. Mm-hmm. So, kind of a play about heterosexual female male consent questions are kind of outside the realm of my really of my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I had some questions around whether I it was appropriate for me to be directing this play. And certainly Ellie, you know, Ellie sort of really encouraged me that I think sort of maybe my outsiderness mm-hmm. from yes. the dynamic she saw as a strength. Oh. Um, so. So, so, yeah. Because initially, I
0: mean, that's one of the things that I wondered about mm-hmm. when I saw, okay, so we're at this play, it's about, it's about consent, and it's being directed by a man. So like, <laughs> my, my first thing was like, huh, yeah. that's interesting.
1: I mean, the right man, yes. like not just yeah, any yeah, dude, no, just, for you, sure. You don't want
0: to put like any dude in there. No, no. Um, in
1: fact, most dudes.
0: Maybe. No, of course. I would, I would agree with that. Most dudes probably don't have, shouldn't be like directing this play.
1: But um,
0: what was it? What did you see in, in Brendan that in Brendan that you wanted to that you thought that he was the right guy?
1: Yeah, I mean we, I mean a lot. Um, I think that his like um, ability to be objective. I am not able to be objective at all with this material. These are my friends, yeah. these are my sisters, my life. Like I, I don't even. Brennan has pointed out so many things in the play that are there that I'm actually not even able to see because it's so close. But Mm -hmm. then I know on some level they're there because I've chosen them. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't name them. Um, I mean, we had the most, it was absolutely the most exciting conversation that I had with anyone that I met with about the show. And, um, you know, you really spoke to, um, well, what Chris brought up the other night when we were speaking to the donors, like your speaking about your relationship to shame and that being sort of um like as someone who grew up like like you know gay male sexuality and female sexuality are both sort of transgressive things Mm -hmm. and so along with your desire is a lot of shame and those kind of well you've spoken really articulately about how those kind of become um enmeshed Mm -hmm. and um how do you separate the two and is it possible to separate to take away shame from desire without losing desire and that was something that. Um, that you know that was that's your experience and that's what you described, but it um, seemed to ring very true of the play, mm. and um, yeah, to be a really important sort of perspective on the play. You tell me about how the
0: cast came together for
1: this show. Yeah, great luck.
2: Yeah, we were really lucky to get an g- amazing mm-hmm. group of people together. I mean, it really. There had been a prior workshop of the play of which um, Christine Horn had participated in, and this was before even I was a part of the project. Yeah. So so Christine had been sort of following the project for a while, uh, and then we just sort of found sort of a couple of great actors. We just felt kind of... It's like creating a dynamic, and so mm-hmm. I think the two other actors sort of complete the dynamic very, mm-hmm. very well. You know. Nice. Nice.
0: One of the things that I like to do on, on the podcast is talk to people about... Um you know why do they do this theater thing like what is it that draws them to it what are they what what keeps them in it so I was wondering if I could if you'd both be interested in, in talking about like why theater
1: goodness yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it's such a big question um do you remember do you remember? like just narrowing it down do you remember when
0: you first realized that you were interested
1: in theater no, like, <laughs> it's, it's been with me too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, um, I could make something up, but I mean, I think it's like, I think to bring it back to consent, mm-hmm. like it's a kind of consent where like, it's a permission structure where like in this room now I'm having conversations that like I don't have, mm-hmm. uh, in yeah. other spaces in my life. And that's true of any, whether you're working on a play that's, that's your first play and it's about your life. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's going to be true. But even if you're working on like, Check off with a great director. That's going to be true. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I like that. Just mm-hmm. the sort of permission structure for connection um, where there wouldn't be otherwise. Um, yeah.
0: Were you doing? Did you do plays in in school? Did you did you write in school? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 <clears throat> yeah. yeah.
0: What did you What did you do?
1: Remember, um, like as a kid, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did More lots or even of in high musicals. Yeah? yeah, I did. Like I was always in a show, mm. um, musicals, and then. Um, and then a friend of mine who we we're talking about today started a theater company in Windsor. And so then I did who, and their sort of mandate was to do like weird, weird theater. And so I did a lot of weird theater in <laughs> Windsor. And then I went to theater school in the UK. And then I worked a bit there while I was in school and just after. And then I came back here and have worked as an actor since. So just like whatever.
0: Was there a point where you realized that it was like the thing that was going to be your life's work? Do you remember, like, was there ever any question
1: I think there probably just wasn't ever any question because I can't track, I can't like track a Mm. moment or anything. No, Mm. no, no. But it's evolved like my understanding of what I would do. I think I would, I think I would have said when I was 10 that I was going to like do musicals and then Mm. it evolved towards, you know, contemporary plays and classics and, and then writing became a part of that. I don't know, uh, later in high school, Mm -hmm. 17, 18.
0: Did you write for like the Sears Festival, or for your friends? No, drama? I didn't. Go,
1: I didn't go to a high school that knew what the Sears Festival, or had anyone <laughs> that wanted to do drama. So, <laughs> so no, um, no. But I, I had a really big experience when I was seventeen, um, and I like I lost a friend, and there was a lot lots of kind of around that um, that I couldn't speak to someone about, and so I wrote this play, and I remember it just really mattering a lot to me, but. Mm. Um, But obviously these events and these people mattered a lot to me. So I really wanted someone to read it and just objectively tell me if it was good. Um, And I couldn't share it with people around me because it was obviously about my life. And so I applied to like a playwriting program and I ended up like, and I had to write something else because they needed two. And I ended up getting very like far in that process and... And being like, oh, okay, I should keep doing this then. So mm-hmm. when I when I went to acting school, which was what I really wanted to study, I was like, but I'll but I'll keep writing if I'm not mm-hmm. uh, studying playwriting. So yeah.
0: And was there a point when you were at acting school mm-hmm. that, that that sort of writing became more of a thing, or do you find do you think that you're like equally actor and writer?
1: I think I'm pretty equally both, yeah. yeah. And I've done a lot more acting, so the writing mm-hmm. is newer, yeah.
2: Um, oh, yes, yeah, so why theater? I mean, well, uh, well, my theater origin story is um, kind of, I think, helps ground sort of why theater for me. And so I, I didn't grow up in a family that went to the theater at all. It wasn't very much part of my my world. And uh, for some reason, when I was 13 or 12, my, my mother enrolled me in some summer theater thing for, I'm from Montreal, and it was like a, kind of like a, it was like the 80s, and there was like lots of like, programs for young people to kind of get them off the street to do things mm-hmm. and so there was like this youth theater thing that my mother sent me to and basically it was like only run by young people it, like they gave us this old hangar in old in the old port when the old port was like really like just falling apart and so they just kind of gave like here's this massive uh hanger and you, you just do what you want. You write the play, you direct the plays, you act the plays. And there were kind of, I kind of vaguely remember a couple of adults sort of like making sure that no one died. <laughs> but it was really like just like pretty like sort of punk rock, just like kind of do your own thing. And, and so that, that's sort of my, that was my introduction into the theater. And so it was like where, you know, I smoked my first cigarette, where I met my first gay people, where like... Like I had my first blow job, like, 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 kind of like, and and most importantly, those <laughs> are all important things. Yeah. But it was also the the space where, like, for the first time, I felt seen, mm. and I spoke a kind of truth. And so for me, that's what the theater was was a place to kind of do naughty things, <laughs> but also to speak your truth and have it received. And so then I kind of learned that there was this whole other thing about the theater, which is like a kind of you know, professionalism and history and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And then I kind of got into that as well. Um, And at a certain point was like, okay, I really, I want to do this like, like, like for really real, (laughs) like I want to be real in my love for the theater. And so I got really into the sort of art part of it. But I've always, I think probably maintain this sort of original Thing about the theater is being a place where you just sort of speak your truth and and be seen and, and sort of in my career I sort of vacillate between really wanting to kind of participate in the kind of institutional sort of art practice and, and kind of kind of went very far down that road and then other times I'm like fuck I don't give a shit about anything remotely professional I'm really interested in just the the, the human act of expression. Uh, and that the theater kind of allows. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, I don't care if it's good or bad or if it's professional or not. I mm-hmm. just really actually just want to support the purity of that. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so um, yeah.
0: Was there ever a point where you made the decision this is what you're going to do with your life, that you realized it was a possibility? Yeah, I mean, you don't think,
2: think it's think just that, like, real. It's yeah.
0: you can do grown-ups yeah. are doctors and teachers and, and other things that involve suits. Um at what point did it become like a thing
2: that you could do? do? You know, that's interesting. I think I think I still kind of wrestle a bit with whether it's mm-hmm. whether it's like a thing that's actually <laughs> doable for a lifetime. Same. Um and certainly I you know I've evolved professionally into kind of more of an arts manager and sort of artistic director, which is really primarily what I do. Um but I think I think probably like to be completely honest, like the Muppets were <laughs> as someone like I didn't know any my family didn't know artists like for me like my the only image that I had of what life in the theater was was like the Muppets and and then this like this youth theater thing so I think that's kind of probably I don't know that that was the moment or that was the thing that made me think it was possible that like a group of kind of well I guess conceivably adults you know are engaged in this make-believe thing and are kind of sort of living together making money I don't know Mm -hmm. Um, the 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 notion of a professional theater artist is still something that I, uh, I I wrestle with a bit as as it actually being a possible thing and whether um, you know depending on on your sort of background whether it's like you have kind of an availability of funds that allows you to kind of just have a, a theater career or whether actually all of us are engaged in doing a whole bunch of things and mm-hmm. we do theater when we can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, now, whether, you know, I think for me is like the question around, is that a legitimate way of living or not? You know? And I think that, that there is sometimes in society, the idea that you're like a teacher and an actor is somehow oh you're not like doing the real thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and that that I feel yeah. like you know I think we should uh, really question that and just go like you know you're, you're doing your community theater thing and you're working in a factory fuck it you're doing theater yeah. mm-hmm. you know you're, you're a Stratford festival member fuck it you're doing theater yeah. you know
0: it's funny because you know when I left theater school nobody ever wanted to admit to doing Something else. Or it was like a failure. It was like like I'm an a, you know I'm an actor and also not not waiting tables was fine but it was like I'm an actor I'm also a and something like that like I know people who were like stage managers and like don't tell, tell anybody that I know how to stage manage or like <laughs> don't tell anybody that I also do lights or like any of the other things that we might do on the side because it was like if word got out that they did something else nobody would take them seriously as an actor. But now I see more people more proudly and more openly talk about, oh, yeah, I'm an actor and I'm, I'm a writer and I'm I'm a, I'm a stage combat uh, person. I, like all the different things. There are actors slash whatever were more accepted
2: for that. Yeah, I think it's a,
0: a shift that I've seen in the last little while. Maybe indie theater has had something to do with that.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's an encouraging thing. I think yeah. there's maybe a lot of pressure on young people – you know, that kind of, sh- the idea of, like, sh- it's you're sh- you should be ashamed that you have, like, a second job or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember an acting teacher telling me, like, I never did anything but theater, like, and was, like, yeah. kind of, like, yeah. and that's why, you know, I'm, like, well, you're fucking What's teaching you right now, so, yeah. I, A, I don't believe you, mm-hmm. and B was just kind of, like, well, fuck you, yeah. like, yeah. you know, don't, that that's not, I don't think that should be a barometer, you know, no. for, for one's, yeah passion and engagement and like the 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 honesty of the pursuit you know
1: yeah
0: it's one of those difficult difficult things to know like how do you balance because sometimes it can seem like two different worlds like Mm -hmm. one job in the theater Mm -hmm. they both demand a whole lot of you Mm -hmm. um when you were i haven't studied in in england and i don't know much about the theater scene in england Did you find when you were there that there was like, that anybody talked about having no. a foot in two worlds? No. Or was it all like, this is what it's going to be? Yes,
1: yes. And in fact, I was told, because I was writing, I was part of like a writer's group, um, and I wrote something that we did in our third year, and I was told like, you should use another name for writing than you do. Like, it was really, really strong. Yeah, 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 and uh, one of the things that really drew me to coming back to Canada and to working here is that I, yeah, I want to do, I kind of want to do everything. I want to direct, I want to dramaturg, I want to, like, produce, I want to write, I want to act, and um, I like that that scene is a strength, like, in the world, the Toronto that I've known, that scene Mm. is, like, a a strength uh, to wear many hats, not as a failing. I'm
0: seeing it so much more and more, at least over the last few years, Mm -hmm. as as fringe and other other festivals start to become more important to the theater career, then people are more able to admit to those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. sounds
0: like sounds like the when you were in, they were a little bit, they were behind a little bit.
1: yeah, they're, they they're have a lot more history. Like yeah. the weight of history mm-hmm. is much heavier there, and mm-hmm. so the kind of theater that uh, like that's written and that's produced there is different and not as exciting, I think.
0: I want to. I want to ask a stupid man question um, mm, break, about, it, about uh, uh, asking for it because yeah. I'm a stupid man. Um, in terms of, because when I hear as a stupid man, when I hear the plays about consent, I assume it is not for me.
1: Uh-huh, yeah, that, yeah. that
0: this is not a play. First off, because I'm stupid, I think <laughs> um, it's not a play that I need. That it, like I'm not going to be welcome there. Uh. And I feel like, and I wonder if like you know, because I'm stupid that it's not speaking to me at all. Right, right. Um, how am I wrong? <laughs> As a stupid man, how yeah, am I wrong?
1: Yeah, Well, we've had some interesting conversations, like, in the room about how, like, the play was workshopped publicly, and there was a really generous, like, feature written about it in The Globe uh, by Simon Holt. Um, and so people knew of the title and the fact that like, oh, you wrote this play about consent without having seen it. Like I've come, my whole year has been spent sort of like meeting people and then being like, oh, like you wrote that, you wrote that play. Right. And I absolutely am being like, you know, struck with exactly, you know, the sort of assumptions that you just articulated. Mm. Um, you know, I think the play wouldn't be very interesting if it was just me sort of standing on a stage wagging my finger being like, "Boys, you can't touch me unless I say this 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 like that's right. not really what the what the play is about at all. We're having just much richer discussions about um, about desire and and surrender and like the relationship of surrendering sexually with being sexually liberated mm-hmm. and how we kind of understand both of those things um. Yeah, t- today at a, at a time when we're having like lots of conversations around um, protecting women and, and uh, how do women actually express what they want within that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and, you know, a lot of men are spoken to in the show. Most of my like person, I feel like such a like, I have lots of like friends that are men, but like most of my <laughs> friends actually are men. And um, I have much, I was raised by a single dad. I have much mm-hmm. more access to men in my mm-hmm. own life. And, um, you know, men were, there are lots of men in the play that represent ranges of perspectives and it's a, yeah, it's, um, I don't know what else to say. When (laughs) you were doing those interviews and you're talking to men, was
0: there something that surprised you about the way that men look at consent?
1: Um, I think I was disappointed pointed at one point we got past this but at one point we were just talking about this today as well um at one point i felt like when i spoke to women they would tell me things that surprised them and that they were ashamed of and that's kind of what i was going for like to really just like look at 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 shame and um and men uh were like less forthcoming and they were far more i felt giving me um, the sort of answer, I think making an assumption about what mm. the play was going to be, mm. um, and giving me answers that just were less authentic. And, um, and so I think I, became, I think I became attuned with how difficult it is for men to be vulnerable. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that was something that surprised me and that I learned.
0: Do you think those men were telling you what they thought you wanted to hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: absolutely, and I think that's completely understandable. Yeah. Like we're living in a you know in a very kind of like you know PC like censorship kind of point, and yeah. it's yeah, yeah.
0: Were there were there any guys who were able to tell you that what you felt like was more uh, more authentic truth?
1: Eventually, yeah. yeah, not as many as women, mm. um, which is interesting because we talk about you know the weight of cultural shame being on women mostly, um, but. But yeah, eventually.
0: It's interesting because I think that, I mean, everybody always talks about how guys are always talking about sex, but guys aren't talking about
1: sex. Yeah, no. yeah,
0: no. Guys are guys have an extreme amount of uh, shame yeah. about sex, so I can imagine people not wanting to be completely honest about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, did women tell you anything that surprised
1: you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... May, like mainly, it just surprised me that like i have I have sisters, I have really close girlfriends, and it just sort of surprised me that we hadn't had these conversations before. Mm. Um, that was the main thing that we that our the extent of our conversations about sex would be like, Oh so you had sex with him, yeah, how was it good and like that was kind of it huh. and to it was the first time that I was being like so what's good for you what do you, what's good for you what do you like and yeah, and it surprised me, and it also um, it surprised me how much people wanted to talk about it. Like I, mm. I, kind of felt like, oh, I don't want to pressure you into being in my consent play, but in the end, people were really like welcoming of of mm-hmm. the conversation. So yeah, so almost like
0: they were waiting for a chance somebody to give them like permission to, yeah, to, yeah. to tell the stories. Yeah, yeah. But it, something, has something surprised you about about this
2: play? A lot of things. I mean surprise and and yeah i mean i think the the one of the surprises you know i'm i'm 42 so so i'm from a different generation and i am surprised by the the lack of clarity that this younger generation has around sex i think i had a kind of idea that you know growing up as a millennial like that there was a level of conversation that was maybe a bit more honest. Mm-hmm. The kind of there's also just like an availability of information that I didn't have access to yeah. when I was coming of age sexually. So to kind of like listen to, pe- to to young people sort of attempt to articulate desire with the same sort of uh, like inarticulatedness <laughs> was like a bit surprising to me. I thought yeah, I yeah. thought I thought this generation might be a bit more uh, a- able to identify what they wanted, and then to communicate that, Um, which, you know, yeah, that surprised me, but I think indicates just a kind of aspect of the human condition Mm. in relationship to sexuality, you know, that, um, and then I think the other thing that sort of surprised me is, is um, the, 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 that, that, you know, I, I sort of came into this play thinking male sexuality was very different from female sexuality and thinking that gay sexuality was very different from het sexuality. And there obviously are differences, but, but I am actually surprised by the actually how familiar like how some of the young women feel, how some of the young men feel. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, it's all actually quite familiar, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, I guess for me a bit of a, like, who kind of considers himself like kind of like a really sexually kind of liberated gay guy a bit like, Oh wow. I'm really relating to this like 22 year old straight dude, (laughs) like really relating to him, which is not at all what I would think. Mm -hmm.
0: It's almost like it's more about the human condition rather than, uh, uh, sexuality.
2: Yeah and exactly and that desire and our relationship to desire our relationship to our bodies and then our relationship to other people's desires and bodies mm. like really are, are, are core are a core to our condition mm. and and that that is just like that's just like a basic thing you know, yeah. that transcends generation, transcends gender, transcends sexual preference, orientation. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really uh, is something that really connects us, the, the problems of desire and the body. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Are there, is there any, something that in particular that you hope that people take away after seeing, asking for it?
1: Um, I think just like an appreciation and an understanding of complexity and a willingness to, um, to sit in complexity in all its discomfort. Um, I would like this place feels quite exposing of me and I've been really freaked out and (laughs) yeah. And I've been thinking like, so why am I putting myself through this sometimes? Because the idea of saying some of this stuff on in the room is already kind of like shameful. And there's parts that I can't get through without like laughing. And, um, and, but I do think that, um, what am I trying to say? I I do think that if that can like liberate people out of their own, encourage people towards like uncomfortable conversations and sitting in the discomfort and the complexity and the truth and that, then that's, that would be a worthy takeaway.
0: Are you hoping for like people having conversations after they leave? I was thinking like conversations after they leave, Yeah,
1: great
2: sex after the conversation. maybe
1: Both, either or, or both. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Totally.
2: Brendan, is there something? To be, yeah, you I think I think great sex is definitely the goal. <laughs> <of those people. laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. think absolutely. I think I think the you know whether it's you go with your partner and uh, uh, I don't know if great sex what that means, but op- more openness. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think if you go with a friend and you're able to kind of just talk some shit out with your friend, which then allows you to just be a bit more open in your sex life. That's great. I think it's an awesome play to go with your kid, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I think it's, like, Mm -hmm. it's a great, like, just a great way to just, because it just puts, it it so successfully puts out a whole slew of questions on the table in a really authentic way that I think it's a really great, I think it's a really great play to see with, like, your your son or your daughter
0: I hadn't even considered uh parents bringing children to it like I thought
2: about yeah, I, mean, I don't know about no, children no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but like no, no. like you're like, you're, like you're, you're you're teenager. your teenager yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can
0: manage yeah. to drag your adolescent to the theater the that like talking about consent is probably a really great you know absolutely. thing to do mm-hmm. absolutely. And that wasn't something that I'd considered uh, uh, yeah um have you hoped for that too Ellie?
1: oh yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely um and uh, and 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 hopefully this gives it a, a vocabulary the same way that i was able to say like oh the gameshi story were these facts and can you respond to those and in that i can understand you know something in my life mm-hmm. like you know a, a kid can say to their parent what did you think about this part or what did you think about that part like it's vocabulary with which to have those conversations without needing to offer i'm offering my personal stories so they yeah. don't need to offer theirs yeah, and yeah. they can still have conversations around these subjects mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm curious about you You talking to them um, uh, just a few minutes ago about how exposed you feel with this play and, and how like you're having difficulty even getting through some things. Uh-huh. Um, you chose to do this play <laughs> I know. and you like you've taken it from like writing to perform like to, to rehearsal to performance. Um, is it only now that you're starting to feel like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this? Or have you always been feeling that way?
1: I've always felt that way. I've yeah. always felt that way. And luckily I've had people around me who've sort of reminded me of the, uh, the worthiness of like the investigation and the pursuit of the play. Mm. Um, so yeah. Mm. But no, I've, al- I've always felt that. And, uh, and it's good. I'm glad that I've been like supported and, and you know, and pushed along and yeah. like, and that I've obviously push myself along enough
0: what's your I mean how long do you have to the play opens uh, when October 6th October yeah. 6th so or you have a little bit 7, of time but we six start previews
1: six. on the clock. okay okay yeah
0: um, and so you have a, a, a like couple weeks maybe a week <laughs> or so to to manage to to get through this stuff how does that feel like, you feel like you want to throw up or something?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely. But it's also thrilling. Yeah. Yeah, so.
0: Well, there is something about, like, telling something that's so personal that, that mm-hmm. does bring out the vomit in a performer. We're used to hiding behind, like, we're finding a truth, but also, like, not me. Yeah. I'm yeah. just performing this thing. And when it's your words, mm-hmm. it's it can be very... Uh, like performing it is very terrifying. Mm-hmm. Is this your first time with this particular feeling? Oh yeah! yeah? Oh yeah. yeah! Yeah! I
1: never thought I would write some, even like when I began began to understand myself as a writer. I never thought that I would write something where I was the named protagonist named Ellie playing Ellie yeah and even when I started writing this project Mm -hmm. I thought like I will edit myself out of these interviews and I will you know focus on the subjects the people that I'm speaking with and uh I don't really I can leave myself out of it completely and then it just uh it didn't serve the show I needed to be in it and then it Mm -hmm. served the show more if I played me and then it like so, I feel like each of the steps I've taken for a good reason. But yeah, it freaks me out.
0: Did you ever try to write it without you in it? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And we thought we talked about like casting another actor to play me as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so there were lots of conversations. And at what point? At what
0: point did you decide, decide that you had to play you?
1: Like in the spring, I think in the spring. Yeah, I kind
0: of put my foot down.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was it about? You're right.
0: What was <laughs> it about Ellie playing Ellie that you thought was so important?
2: Well, because I think the. the I guess in a way, the sort of the integrity of the piece kind of rests on her vulnerability, mm-hmm. if you will. And so, I mean, apart from the fact that she's like a very compelling actor and 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 a, like an amazing presence and on stage and all that, I just felt that for the piece to work, like you kind of she kind of had to put herself in, in that position mm-hmm. for for it to I think resonate fully as a, as a piece of theater and you know so so yeah you know i yeah it just seems it would seem weird it would just yeah. it also just seemed bizarre like what like 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 some weird woody allen kind of thing <laughs> where like you know K- kenneth Branagh is obviously playing Woody Allen, but it's just like this, it's like, it's yeah. weird, it would just be weird. Mm.
1: Yeah. Lots of people who will see the show will know me and know that I'm an actor and that I wrote this play and yeah, so it would have been weird been, No, you know, that would have been
2: Uncomfortable. Be weird. You
0: know, yeah.
1: Weird. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. So everybody probably went afterward it would be like, the show would end they'd immediately look at you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and this way too, it's like a way of telling the audience like, I'm okay with this. Mm. You know, like, um, I am like, I'm okay with how exposed I am. Whereas if it's someone else, then yeah, you could worry for, yeah. you could worry for like the character mm. as a me, as in the writer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> what, is there something you're most afraid of in performing this show?
1: Yeah. There's sections. Like mm. there's just sections that just make me wildly uh, uncomfortable. Is it shame? Is it what people yeah. think of you?
0: Is it like, is it,
1: um, I think it's just the conditioning of shame, yeah. of shame around like, I'd say female sexuality, but sexuality Mm. generally, where it just feels extremely improper to say some of these things out loud. Mm. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Uh But then we have to interrogate: Why does it feel improper? Like where? Like who is the silence around sexuality? What's it there for? Who is it serving? Is Um, that part of the play?
0: That that investigation, or is that something that you're discussing in the room, and hopefully it will come out in a sort of a subtext?
1: No, that's part of the play. That's part of the play, and that's part of the idea around like including. Like I don't actually find this very embarrassing, but I have at one point, like I tell someone how many sexual partners that I've had Mm. at that point and people who read that are always like, Oh my God, are you okay with that being in the play? And that's not actually one of the things that I think is more embarrassing, but, but, um, but it's made me go, yeah, like why, and why is that? Like, is that number too high? Is it too low? Is it, is it embarrassing that I say it at all? Like, why is that a private? No, that's
0: That's actually an interesting, interesting thought. Like, what is it about a number Mm-hmm. That, that we're supposed to be ashamed of.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm using the number as like anything. Yeah. Like I feel embarrassed about this, and then I immediately question, well, why is that embarrassing? Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. that's a function of yeah, the play.
0: Is there important questions that that should, like that we should be asking outside of the theater as well? Mm-hmm. Probably. So I, I hope that there like there are some good conversations that come out of this.
1: I hope so too. Are you guys <laughs> on social media at all? Websites? Yeah. I have Twitter. Um should I say my Twitter thing? Yes. Yeah, okay, it. well it's at the, of course and then Ellie Mooner. So Moon with an E R at the end. Mm, cool. Mm. Your website or just just a
2: Twitter. Just a Twitter. Just a Twitter. Yeah?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I I kinda I
2: kinda gave up Twitter. Um but but I have a website, uh mrbrendonhealy.com. Uh and uh yeah, I mean you can reach out to me there. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. It's been Thank a great conversation. So much. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.